Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magnum Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I'm joined by Spencer Spencer. Say hey, people. Hey, everybody. We are whew, almost there, Spencer. Season two, episode seven of Succession, mm-hmm. called Return. We were off last week. Yeah. Hand up. My bad. Yeah, I've got to ask. Um, the Wuhan flu, how is it? Because apparently you've gone through like two cycles of it just this year so far. Well, um, stay away from snakes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I didn't realize uh, you traveled to China that regularly. <laughs> I do not. No, I, I did. I've had a cold that wouldn't go away. I tried to save the, the listeners from hearing me cough and snot into a microphone last week. So we were off last week. We're back now, though. We're ready to talk succession. Spencer, anything you want to plug on Mangum Reads before we jump into the episode? Uh, we're continuing our run through the second book of Harry Potter, which has proven quite exciting so far. And so uh, please listen to Pottering Around if you want to get that experience of where... I'm having a delight. Like, I'm feeling like I'm pretending to be an eight-year-old reading through the books, and it's just got a certain charm to it. Uh, otherwise, we're running through various batches of short stories lately, ranging from AIs to, uh, pontificating about their love of cat pictures to individuals on planes discovering egg-based philosophy, and it's been a fun ride. So, encourage everybody to listen in. Okay, yeah, definitely listen in. I love that you've taken that tack with Harry Potter, by the way. Because if we ever do a Mango Talks TV or Mango Talks movies or something... On Star Wars, that's what I'm going to be like. And you kind of have to be from a certain point. There's an ingrained nostalgia that has to go into the appreciation of just remember what you were at that point and appreciate it in that light. And if you're capable of doing it, you get so much out of it. <laughs> and you've seen that in action because when we've gone to see Star Wars movies, I, I walk out of the theater and I'm like, don't you dare say a bad word about oh, that. You, you're, just be- <laughs> you're just beaming. There's just like the, the sun is in the room with your excitement. Meanwhile, you saw me in the last Star Wars movie of where I couldn't contain my apparently Italian hand gestures throughout the film. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was, I know we're on a bit of a diatribe to start the episode, but man, that was funny, everybody. He was just sitting, we're sitting there on these recliners watching the new Star Wars movie, Rise of Skywalker, and I just hear Spencer going, oh, oh, come on. Oh, oh, you! Oh, he's back. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's hard. I mean, I was able to do it for the Force Awakens, but the last two movies, I haven't been able to tap into the nostalgia that's necessary to a certain degree, and it's made it a hard watch at times. Still enjoyed them. Still enjoyed them. But as said, there were reactions. Well, I'm glad you still have that gear with Harry Potter. Let's jump into the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, our format here is we do a recap, uh, and then we do some segments. We do Roy of the episode. We do Roman line of the episode, and we do Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. Spencer, what did you think of the episode? This was one of the hardest watches of any we've done on this show so far, and that's impressive, because we've had some sad runs that have seen characters that we like run through the gutter. But this one hit some points that were just outright very dark tragedy. I mean, there were moments in this of where I felt the need to pause just because I felt so bad for an imaginary person that I didn't want to continue for a moment. And it made for great television. It's going to be a delight to see where it goes. But, man, it was hard. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, really tough watch. Really, you know, if you... It's a preposterous show. Yeah, it um, is. I posit it's a comedy. We've gone back and forth on that. <laughs> um, but I do think that if you do care about these characters, um, this is maybe the most emotional, emotionally impacted you, you, you probably have been uh, through the course of the first two seasons so far. Yeah, I think a lot of tragedy relies on a certain degree of powerlessness about being unable to even alter your own fate. And just seeing certain characters being able to act as God on just a casual, malicious whim is... Well, we saw certain sides of Logan this episode that I'd been previously willing to dismiss and now no longer can. (laughs) Yeah. 
Logan, bit of a ladies' man. Uh. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's get going. Uh, I'll start the recap. I do want to point out that before the episode, um, right now, if you, if you go right today to HBO Go, HBO Now, whatever, and you play this episode, the advertisement beforehand seemed especially interesting to me. I don't know if you caught it, Spencer. No, I didn't. I skipped it. What is it? It's an advertisement for an a-, a documentary about corruption in the McDonald's Monopoly game. <laughs> yeah, that seems on point. I was so excited when I was watching. I was like, "What they made? I knew that. I knew that was corrupt." <laughs> it. I remember when that new, the various news stories have broken about that over the years. But man, do you remember the excitement when we were kids of just getting pulling each of those little tags and putting it on the board? That was so much fun at the time. Yeah, and you get two out of three for every single one. Oh yeah, and your health would suffer permanent damage from the sheer amount of food you were buying to try to get those two. <laughs> All, All right, right. episode the recap, episode. season two, episode seven, return. It starts with Kendall FaceTiming with Naomi Pierce, and she's asking him for a picture. Um, Spencer, what what kind of picture? Well, uh, you know, I I feel somewhat uh, sad that you know, I've had to explain this to you, but there are certain parts of the male anatomy that are involved in aspects of the reproductive process. <laughs> uh, you know, I understand that North Carolina's qualities of health education are rather low, but, you know, I'm here for Pretty it. Pretty terrible. Uh, um, but... <laughs> This uh, particular device of the male anatomy is occasionally device. referred to as a penis, or in this case, a dick. And uh, as a certain aspects of the human mating <laughs> ritual, uh, sending pictures of these by digital means has become a key part of the courtship process. And here, displayed before us, we see two individuals in the prime of their life engaging in that particular mating dance. Oh, man, you got progressively more Southern as you went. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Naomi is asking Kendall for a dick pic. He initially refuses, but then he relents. Spencer, do you think that'll come back to haunt him? Uh, with this show, sure. Anything that he does that briefly makes him happy just seems to come back to just utterly destroy him. But for this moment at this time, I've not been this excited for two characters to share a dick pic in a while. It's just they're legitimately happy. They're a couple. They do, yeah. I didn't see. I didn't necessarily think that there would be that kind of follow up on their relationship. Yeah, I know. After that eventful night where Kendall almost killed them both in a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> where did your relationship start, sir? Don't the most of them begin in helicopter accidents? Yeah, I know. I actually am rooting for these two. I think it's a good fit because I think they both have a similar history mm-hmm. and dynamics with their own family, and they can kind of understand each other because they're both billionaires. Well said. Very much so. Cut to Tom and Shib in an elevator, and Shib apparently had pulled pulled together some sort of report about her. I was kind of hazy on this through the episode of what the point of the report is, but it seems at a minimum to be something about her idea for corporate strategy. Yeah, this is her strategic memo. This is her plan set out for what the company needs to be doing. And we never really hear it directly, explicitly described, but... It is even measures really cynical and also pretending to be aspirational and a new age kind of thing in a way that is subject to mockery throughout most of this episode. Now, Spencer, you've never worked on a political campaign, right? I have not. Okay, so this is really good writing because when you work on a political campaign, especially ones that are either statewide or nationwide, um, (laughs) people do this shit all the time. There's always like this weird, like, oh, so-and-so wrote a strategic memo on what we should do in Iowa, or so-and-so wrote a memo on healthcare. And they just kind of these phantom memos that are just existing in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, it, no surprise at all to me if she's a political operative. She thinks that's the way she needs to go. 
Um, and as we see later, it doesn't really play well. No, it, it really doesn't seem to work in this particular setting. But she's baffled that it doesn't. She keeps on returning throughout this episode. Well, has he read my memo? He needs to see my plan. <laughs> this is my this is my marketing of myself. This is everything. I, this is everything they yeah. need to hear. And from what we see, with the exception of Tom, who's trying to be supportive while at the same time just saying, well, it's memorable, everybody else just spends all of their time laughing at it. Yeah, but that's kind of how you make a name for yourself in a campaign. You start releasing those memos and mm-hmm. giving them to the candidate or whatever. But uh, one thing that's interesting in the interaction between Shiv and Tom as they talk about this is, is Tom points out, you could have run it by me. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think we've established that Shiv is cruel, but I also think that's short-sighted because Tom potentially could have had some insight for her. He could have said, hey, look, you know, the Thomas Aquinas quote is not going to play. You need to pull that out of here. (laughs) Yeah, Amelia Earhart would work great in the campaigns, but right here in a corporate setting, not necessarily the message you want to start with. But as they're... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I said, he's the one with corporate experience. He was the one that was meant to be her mole in the company so she could get back in or progress with him if, if, if that was the plan. Isn't this the guy you kind of want for that corporate perspective to review these things when, as pointed out several times in this episode, you have none? She just has too much confidence. Yeah. Um, and so as Shiv and Tom are talking, Kendall comes out of the uh, the bathroom. Did you catch the line here from Tom? No. What do you say? <laughs> he looks at Kendall. has this big smile on his face because he sees Kendall leaving the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Turns and looks at Shiv and says, Mega dump in a line? <laughs> That's great. That's so Tom. <laughs> good Tom. Yeah, good Tom episode, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, cut to Roman and Jerry talking strategy. She's telling him that they need to sort of preempt any negative stories about him if they're going to team up and really uh, set him up to be the next uh, leader of Waystar Royco. Mm-hmm. So she asks if she can run some oppos- opposition research on him. We're going very political campaign this episode. That's a report I want to read. Oh. I don't want to read Shib's report, but I do want the oppo report on Roman. We get a couple tidbits before this episode is done, but man, can we just have the writers during your offseason publish that oppo report so we can read it, please? Tom then hears from Jerry what firm will be leading the internal investigation into cruises, and he seems happy with the uh, with the individuals uh, in the company. Uh, Blanche and Partners, I wrote it down as. So, yeah, he thinks that they're just going to throw nothing but softballs at him. Yeah, I tried to get the quote here. Uh, do you have the quote? Uh, beautiful, soft-soaping fucks. The interview is going to be like slipping into a bubble bath. I'll just like I'll just light a scented candle in there, put on some eagles, and start playing with myself. <laughs> nice work. Uh, Logan then is uh, talking with Marsha, and he's pleased everyone came. Apparently, this this party was some sort of like bellwether for you know has he lost everyone? Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems pleased that people still are committed to him and showing up and sucking up to him in the way they were before, despite the potential acquisition uh, that Stewie and Sandy are leading and the cruise scandal. Mm-hmm. Tom then hears from, uh, no, no, sorry. Um, Shiv you, oh, briefly tries to say hi. Well, but before then, great quote from Logan. He, he calls the cruise scandal a fucking nothing burger. <laughs> Spencer, uh, yeah, I, I think he might be a little wrong here. I like Logan, but I think he might have missed the mark on this one. We see a lot we, over the course of the show. We see a lot of the strengths and weaknesses of Logan's character, and this is a demonstration of a key weakness of where he really doesn't seem to have necessarily a finger on the pulse of where people are at right now in a lot of ways. Maybe a basic under, understanding of the undercurrent of humanity, but if he's thinking that this scandal right now in this way is just going to go away like it's nothing at all, he is a damn fool. 
We get um, from Marsha, reassure, reassured now they still love you. Love, fear, whatever. <laughs> a Machiavelli. Uh, uh, Shib goes up to Logan and he says, uh, she says they need to go upstairs. Or she wants to talk to him and he says he has to go upstairs. Upstairs, they're looking at a preloaded tablet with a commercial on it about how shitty the Logan's leadership is of Waystar Royco. Um, mm-hmm. Couple things here. If you're spending the money to send out thousands of tablets, couldn't you have had a little higher production quality on the commercial? <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't even pick up on that the first time. That, that When he says they sent out thousands of these, or even say thousands or millions, a massive number of these have been sent out. I originally thought they just emailed the videos. Like, no, 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 the tablet came with. Yeah, the tablet came with it. Um, and it, the commercial looks like it was made by a four-year-old. But anyway, the commercial is talking about how... You know, Logan's failed at a number of things. His acquisition strategy, I think probably they're referencing the Pierce deal, didn't work and the Cruz thing. And they're just kind of ticking off every negative aspect of Logan's recent leadership. And they start talking through where the different shareholders are. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy who's at 4% apparently is wavering, which um, upsets Kendall. Roman doesn't care. Nice Roman quote. With that fat fuck, fuck that guy. You should jam your dick in his one good artery. <laughs> Which I don't know if you caught it, but Jerry really liked that line from Roman. She, she was she like did. having to suppress a chuckle. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Jack the Ulsterman. I think that's the name of that guy. Ugh. Uh, then they discuss that Caroline, Logan's ex-wife, the mm. mother of Kendall, Shib, and Roman uh, that we have met before, who has apparently still 3%, is wavering. Yeah, and it's fun here we finally get numbers. I don't think we previously had a full understanding of what percent they have. And so we hear that they're at 36%. They have firmly locked down, either in the family or otherwise. And that with this additional seven now uncertain, that's not a good place to be in. No, yeah, that's a really good point, uh, Spencer, because I found that interesting too. And I wish they would do more of that Yeah, we, during this whole acquisition thing. I would like to see the sort of running calculator. Yeah, just even like a whiteboard in the background would be great. Just to understand it, have the numbers on where this is playing out. Because clearly they've done that. Internally, they have those exact numbers. Of course they would. But it'd be nice if we the audience did too. Yeah, agreed. Um, so Logan has an idea that he will dispatch Roman and Kendall to go to London uh, to push her to vote with Logan. Kendall does not love the idea. Good Kendall quote here. Are you sure we need to? That's uh, like, what are we? A fucking octopus giving like reach arounds to every fish on the reef now? In comes Roman. All right, relax, Branzino porno man. <laughs> now, is this, when Kendall reacts like this, is this Kendall reacting to the idea of going back to the UK or going to his mom? I'm thinking UK. I think it's it probably is both. I think he probably has an emotional side of this where he he doesn't want to go to the UK. He probably is even maybe a little bit worried there might be some like criminality issue for him, right? Mm-hmm. But I think also he he's a little insulted that he thinks both of them need to go. Yeah, yeah um, I like, Can't you just send Rome? Like, am I not a little bit too big for this particular assignment? Yeah, and it and from what I can tell in the interactions with Caroline. I think Roman is her favorite. I agree. I agree. There's no small amount of mockery because that's apparently how Caroline knows how to interact with other human people. But I agree. There's definitely a feeling of that. Yeah. Roman leaves the room. He walks down the stairs and he sees Shib. She asks where Logan is uh, and that he's he's supposed to be talking to me. (laughs) Roman, yeah, yeah, something came in. He's hunkering down. Uh, He wanted me to tell you, sorry, rain check. Maybe in the a.m. Maybe. Are your nips hard? They must be. You are so out in the cold. Okay, funny line. She is out in the cold, 
But my God, how many sexual references are going to play into conversations between Roman and Shiv? I don't have a sister, but if I did, I think at this point I would have reached my breaking point. I have never made that comment to my sister, nor would I ever even think about doing it. I'm running out of hands to keep track of the sheer amount of sexual references that Roman has just casually thrown out towards Shiv over the course of this show. You know, I would like, wouldn't it be great if there was like a, a moment in the show where Shiv just goes, hey, Rome, do you want to fuck me? <laughs> and then they have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun just to see Roman push to his back foot. Because I don't, I don't know how Roman would respond to that. I think he would be briefly flustered. Yeah, I think he would. Then we cut to the opening credits. Um, anything to note in the opening credits? No, they're getting repetitive. Meh, I know. That could have been a good segment. Tom is talking, uh, we're back at Waystar now, and Tom is talking to the internal investigation team uh, from whatever company that is. He walks in and they say, oh my God, Tom, is so cringy. Yeah. They say, thanks for making the time. Tom, no, I managed to push all my gropes to the afternoon. <laughs> oh, it's one of those moments where only he laughs as they just look very uncomfortable with it. Well, it's also so, I mean, I, Tom, I think, is just an idiot, but... It's such a bad look that they're joking about this to yeah. the internal investigation team. I mean, it's really setting up that Tom has no understanding of what this is. That Tom's just like, hey, we're all going to pat each other on the back. This is going to be an obvious just laughing about how dumb this is, and we'll be done. It's like, no, no, no. They have to do this legit. It's a big deal. Yeah, it really is. Uh, they immediately established that Tom was at one point head of cruises, which Tom tries to diminish. Oh, yeah, just for a brief period. I was just a minnow in the wake of Tom. You know, uh, Bill, <laughs> the big the sperm big. well before me. It was <laughs> sperm well before me, yeah. Um, he, but they're like, no, you, you were head of cruises. Um, and then they immediately ask about document destruction. Which they have to. It's, the, of course, the question they have to start with. So, Spencer, at this point, I'm starting to feel like the document destruction plan from Tom was not not just a bad idea, but like a big, like, glaring light on the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, remember your old remember the old quote from the Nixon investigation. It's not the crime; it's the cover up that ends you. This is going to be the thing that catches you, as we see throughout, with uh, the ability of a uh, power that Greg has over this because of his involvement. Yeah, well, yeah, a little obvious uh, in the strategy there, but Tom doesn't want to answer the question, so he says he has to pee and he leaves. Which obviously they're objecting to because. Clearly, it's apparent what he's about to do is get advice about this new line of questioning, which they don't want. And their whole point of this is to isolate them so you can't go and do that. So him just walking out is, in some ways, evidence that there's a problem. Yeah. And, I mean, this isn't like, you know, these aren't police officers. These aren't actual federal investigators. So he can he can ghost them if he wants to. The only thing that's going to stop him from doing so is his corporate leadership. Yeah. And that these guys, if they're actually doing a... Intended to be independent audit are going to write down that you did that and publish it in their findings. Yep, cut to Logan and Roman in the car. Funny Logan line here. Um, let me see if I can find it. It's about the <laughs> what he likes in a pilot. Who's the pilot today? Not Surge, right? No, sir. Surge is off. Good. I like a boy and bastard flying me. Surge always looks like his dick's still wet and he's going to give me the name of a good fucking Pinot. You all right, son? <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but it's funny. Yeah, I think he thinks he's a little bit too much of a man around town. And he doesn't yeah. want that in his pilot. He wants his pilot getting a good night's rest. Yeah, nice, boring, just gets you between A and B. No excitement brought into this. Yeah, and it's clear in this interaction that they have not talked since Logan slapped slash hit punched Roman uh, at our guesties. Yeah, this is an awkward conversation. 
Yeah, Logan addresses it, and he claims he didn't even know Roman was there. Yeah. Ask, ask, did I even make contact? Like, what? And he says this, and Roman is kind of forced in this moment to just play it off. It's like, oh, you know, yeah, sure did. Yeah, barely even touched me. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah he evades, and uh, Loman, Ro, uh, Logan has this line, because that's not something I do. Now, we discussed this in the last pod, Spencer. I do think that's something he's done. And and I think the best evidence for it is that he's done it twice so far in the series, but also Kendall's reaction. If you remember, Kendall jumped right in the middle of him and pointed at Logan and said, no, don't do that. He didn't seem surprised. He just sprung into action. Yeah, and, and also how much Roman just kind of played it off, too. It's like, I previously, when it happened the first time, was like, oh, man, that everyone's reacting so aggressively because it's so out of character. It's like, no, no, no. It's because that was a broader audience that hadn't seen it before. Those that have seen it before are very aware that this is a thing. Yeah, and I know Roman really wants out of this conversation, and I am not sure I've ever wanted out of a conversation more than Roman in this moment because he finally just breaks down and just starts saying, fucking cars, buildings, everywhere. Yeah, just, <laughs> he just starts listing the things he's seen. <laughs> I spy with my little eyes something other than this conversation. Yeah, very weird. Cut to the Waystar private plane, and surprise, Rhea is there. Huh. Well, I wonder why that is. Mm, me too. Kendall didn't know she was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, she says Logan invited her to talk through some things on the way over. She was going over anyway to take in some theater. Mm-hmm. Bounce some stuff. Logan defends having Rhea join them. Um, he says, okay, here we go. Uh, no, he, he invites uh, Roman and Logan over. <laughs> Roman has a good line here. Okay, here we go. Roy Boy's on tour and we got him in all sizes. Alpha. Logan, Beta, me, Cuck, Kendall. <laughs> Thank you for that summary, Roman. We appreciate it. Yeah, very, very, very good. Uh, cut to Waystar, and Tom comes up to to Shib to ask about the internal investigation, and Shib is raging that Logan left the country without talking to her. This is another frustrating conversation because Tom is coming to this really afraid. He's scared right now, and he's looking for help and support on this, and Shib is not interested in having that conversation with him right now. Well, Shib is a, she's an interesting character because she's able to fuck up on multiple fronts at the same time because <laughs> you have the the marriage being a human part of this, which is you need to comfort Tom. He's scared. But then you also have the, what is the actual bigger deal to the company? Yeah. And your dad reading your fucking memo and having a converse, prompt conversation with you about it is ancillary to what the internal investigators are asking Tom right now. Tom is telling you they're really looking into this. This is a problem, but she's so self-absorbed. She doesn't get the implication. That's a really good point because a couple episodes back, or I lose track of how many episodes it was from this show. They were basically putting her as the, wanted her to be the face of this issue, to control it, to handle the media exposure with respect to it. Assuming, I'm assuming she still is in some ways has that informal title still, but she's entirely ignoring what should be her focus right now on that. Yeah, and you know, she even touted her ability to do this. Like, yeah. oh, I can, I can handle this scandal. Well, if you can, you probably should listen to Tom here, but she doesn't. Um, she does. There's a good line here where she does ask if he's getting softballs, and he said, "You ever been hit in the face with a softball?" <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting sh- uh, shift for her in the conversation too, because she starts it with, "Well, I'm not going to chase him around the world like a schoolgirl with a crush," and ends with. Huh, yeah, I should go over there. I should go over there right now. And just walks out of the conversation and apparently gets a flight to the UK. Cut back to the plane and Logan is chatting with Rhea. Um, She seems to be able to get away with things with him. 
it's ev initially evident in this conversation that only Marsha can. Like she makes a joke about him being the big tough bear or something like that. Mm -hmm. Very flirty line. Also a line that he would dismiss from pretty much everybody else. But he, he takes it. Um, seems to like it. And then even goes so far as to ask her for her opinion on who should be his successor. Okay. Between we, the three children. We got to talk about this because there's a lot to unpack here about what she does and why. Yes. <clears throat> so let's go to the quote from Rhea about the kids. Yeah. So she starts with, she thinks she's smarter than she is. Roman could actually be good, but um, but nowhere near right now. Kendall, I don't know. It's like you put him in a big diaper and now he can shit himself whenever he likes. He has all the shots, but he doesn't know how to play them. Okay. So, what do we think about this? Because there's several ways to analyze this. One, is she right in her analysis of the three characters? Because that's an interesting thing to discuss first. Do you agree with what she's saying about the three? Yes, and I'm, I think I agree with it about 100%. Yeah. Okay. Why, why for each? Um, Shiv. The, the initial is that she's smarter than smart. She's not as smart as she thinks she is. I think we both have said that before about her. Yeah, word for word. And I think that that when you're talking about leading a company as large as Waystar, that is enough to exclude you from the conversation. It's not. That's not a bad mark against you. Mm -hmm. That's a you're debarred for this. You cannot. You cannot have this position unless you actually have some self awareness and know your own limit intellectual limitations. Roman, I do think could be good. Um, because he, you know, contrast to Shib, does know where he's not good. Yeah. Think about, you know, when he's he's talked about jumping in and helping with, like, Volter or certain deals. He's very clear when he thinks he can't do something. I think that's a, a positive trait. But he is, he requires a lot of grooming and a lot of probably psychotherapy. <laughs> yeah, very fair. And we've seen before that he actually can have rather good instincts. It's wrapped up in no small amount of pride and being too willing to commit too fast, too quick on them. But... If he had someone advising him like a Jerry, he could potentially be good. As you said, excellent point. He is willing, maybe more so than the other characters, to bring a team, to understand his weaknesses and try to supplement with people that can help him, which Shiv notably probably isn't because of her pride issues. Um, and with Kendall. Kendall. Kendall's an interesting, uh, interesting one here, though, because this is the one I think I yeah. disagree with. Oh, interesting, because I, I, I still agree with it, because she says he has all the shots. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know when to play them, which is probably true. I mean, he has taken shots at his dad that have failed. Mm -hmm. Um, now I don't think she's given, maybe I don't agree with this a hundred percent. Cause I don't think she's given him enough credit for his skills because mm -hmm. we have seen, he's a very skilled person. He's knowledgeable. He's clearly well-educated, but I do think that this, this uh, metaphor of Logan putting Kendall in a big diaper and he can shit himself whenever he likes but is we, very, very true. We, we've seen that. We, we have Literally. visual evidence of that. <laughs> yeah. Shit in the bed, but also like the shit, like where he just steals stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, he, he's, He's fucked up all the time, so his dad just gives him a you know a driver. Like mm -hmm. that's the sort of enabling stuff that's not gonna push him for change. No. So we've seen. I think we can agree. There's definitely at least an undercurrent of truth in all three of these. Yes. Now, what is her interest in doing this? Why is she saying this? You know what? I'm gonna kick the question back. Okay. To you. Okay. The, in my mind, what she's doing here. These assessments are not necessarily. I think they're mostly right. There's, she's definitely leaving out details. She's presenting a distinctly negative portrait of all three of the children. But one of the main things I think that she's doing here is she's playing to exactly what Logan thinks. That what, when she's saying these, she's reading Logan well and repeating exactly what he already feels about his three children. And that her intent there 
is to repeat what he already believes in a new light to reaffirm his own views on this so that she can A, show that she's on the same page, B, knock down all the children, and C, start to frame herself as an alternative. Yep, there you go. You got to it because that's what I thought. Because I thought, yeah, she's insightful here. But the bigger message is none of them, Logan. Yeah. None of them. They can't do it for you. They can't do it. It, it, what makes yep. it also particularly interesting, too, is so much of this episode, we'll see more that she's gunning for Shiv. I think in her mind, she sees Shiv as her biggest threat. Maybe potentially in Logan's mind, maybe potentially that she's already been named as a successor, maybe in respect for what she can offer. But we see both on this plane and after, Shiv is the one she's aiming to bring down. Doesn't even feel like she needs to with Roman with Roman and Kendall. But Shiv, no. she's, she's 86-ing her quick. Well, we know Logan's personality. And when you say, hey, Logan, you put Kendall in a big diaper and he shits himself whenever he wants, that that's all you need to say. Yeah. Because if Logan accepts that and doesn't push back, Kendall's not the one. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that if, if she is indeed repeating what Logan feels, which I think, it's an interestingly positive read about Roman. Uh, <laughs> we've seen before, that almost without necessarily sense at times, Logan's been constantly trying to get Roman involved, keep him in the company, and put him in positions of where he's important. And if... Ray's repeating what Logan feels, it's because he sees a lot of potential in Roman, which is interesting. Yeah, I agree. Cut to, they, they start chuckling yeah. um, about her assessment and cut to Kendall and Roman that are in the, looks like the, the front of the plane maybe. And <laughs> Kendall turns to Roman. Do you think, uh, like, do you think they're fucking? Oh my <laughs> God. Could you imagine like a rhino fucking a hummingbird? She'd have to go cowgirl, right? Otherwise he'd just like snap her like a candy cane. Kendall, dude, are you, like, talking yourself hard right now? <laughs> I love that line so much. And also, I'm so glad you've decided to continue to go blue with this podcast. I will. Uh, this is my rule. If I'm doing a Roman quote, I'll do it. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, <laughs> uh, Ro- uh, Logan invites the the guys into the back of the plane. Logan asks them about Shib's paper, and they have a good old time trashing it. Yeah, and, and again, this is Rhea steering the conversation to talk about Shiv and just have now everyone reaffirm that, yep, she can't do it. Yep, this is so blind. This is so lacking understanding of the corporate world. And it's hilarious, but it's, again, very strategic on her part. She really is mirror universe Jerry, just with her own much more blunt plans for power. And I think it, it merits a little bit of reading of quotes here because they do some really solid trashing. Logan, we're putting the concept of Shabon on the table for general discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman, you're tearing apart my sister's pious bullshit for your entertainment? I had a dream like this once. <laughs> it's just good to air some views. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Kendall. Yeah, I mean, I think the twin coats, quotes from Thomas Aquinas and Amelia Earhart really <laughs> kick us off with a bang. Roman, wow, so many pictures. All the smiling children. All the various hues. That had melted the heart of even a hardened racist like myself. <laughs> and, you know, then Rhea chiming in with all the comedy on, you know, the luxurious spacing, the buzzwords. It, this is a brutal takedown of a person that's not there. Yeah, it's tough. Um, cut to Tom. He has gone to Greg's house. Oh, my God, the douche. Oh, Greg. <laughs> Greg, what happened? What happened, Greg? Yeah, you know, he's hanging out with his... Are these friends or business partners? I don't know. It's kind of ambiguous. I think it's a blurry line for them. One of the, the girls that are on the uh, the couch says to Tom, welcome to the next wave. <laughs> if I hear that from the initial person, I'm walking, if I walk into a room where I'm seeing a friend and some, somebody you know announces the room with that, I'm like, well, it's been great seeing you. I'll 
check in with you later because this is not my scene. Would it be like the time I because we did a we did a Game of Thrones podcast a f- probably about a year ago where I canceled on you twice, mm-hmm. and then the third time we got on the Skype call and I said, "Hey man, I'm gonna have to cancel again," and you just hung up. You didn't say a word. Yeah, I was just like done. Okay, I'm drinking in a different way today. <laughs> Which I I was just fucking with you. We recorded it. I had to call you back, but it'd be the same kind of thing, right? You walk in, welcome to the next wave. Okay. Done. All right. I'm out. You know, I really appreciate you providing me clarity about what this was going to be and that I don't need to play a part in it. Bye. Craig explains that it's just a talking shop for renewables. Yeah, we all know these types of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tom asks about the investigators. Craig says it stressed him out so much that he went to get a haircut because he thinks he just wanted somebody to touch his head. Sweet little boy. (laughs) Sweet little boy, Craig. Uh, Tom asks about the insurance papers. Greg tries to avoid the conversation and Tom is having none of it. Tom says he needs the papers. He kind of is a fucking around about it. Quote from Tom here. I did my part of the deal. You got the office, a pretty little Gustav Kimlet poster up there. And now it's time for me to habeas the corpus. <laughs> Greg says he doesn't have them. They're at the office. Tom, they're at the office. Yeah. Because they're work. Oh God, Greg. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Oh God, Greg. Tom says he's staying with Greg overnight until Greg can go into the office and give it to him. Pretty serious freakout move from Tom here. He won't literally won't let Greg out of his sights. Fair not to trust Greg under these circumstances, though, I think. Yeah, but it just shows the level of panic that Tom has based on the line of questioning from the internal investigators. Yeah, I mean, Greg, it seems like Greg is saying here he was questioned too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was questioned. Uh, apparently did better with the whole lying thing than Tom did, I guess. But, you know, we've seen that before from Greg. But, yeah, it is a... Greg, Tom is finally taking this really seriously. That, okay, I've enjoyed, you know, playing this little game with you before, but now we're going to go We're gonna go get those papers or people are going to break your legs. And that's the conversation we need to have. Yeah, I mean, Tom is older and he has a he's more established in the company, much higher position. But for my money, I'm hiring Greg. I think Greg is smarter than Tom. Oh, no doubt. And we see that going forward. Well, we it, Greg's an interesting read. He is smart. He is capable. But he's also a doofus in a very special kind of way. And with respect to his storage of these uh, cruise documents, we see that in spades. Yep. All right. Next scene, we cut to Logan and Rhea up late talking uh, with some scotches by the fire, Spencer. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, Logan is bemoaning his idea of Chef Shib as CEO, and we've seen this coming for a couple episodes. I mean, everything from the snap at dinner with the Pierces, where Shib says, "You know, fuck, Dad, just tell him it's me," to the just offhanded remark about doing a dinosaur cull that she did at our guesties. She has had, you know, she's absolutely gotten on the wrong side of Logan. Logan is at this point; he wants no business. He wants no part of her as CEO. And Raya points out that nothing has been said publicly, and then cryptically offers to help. Yeah, that she can do something about this, which we don't understand right now what she means. Yep. The scene ends with Logan asking if she wants to stay over. Uh, Rhea, I wasn't expecting that. Bullshit, you weren't. What, you, you're, <laughs> so funny, my notes. Here's what my notes say. Rhea, quote, I wasn't expecting that, period. Come the fuck on, weren't you, question mark. <laughs> you got, you've been flirting with him very intentionally for a while now, and you got on this plane with the explicit purpose of what this trip was going to be. Yep. Next morning, Roman and Kendall are having breakfast. A lot of, lot of breakfast scenes in this show. Yeah, you know, it's an important meal. we got to see this, them experience it. 
they always have a good spread. Mm-hmm. Um, they're up having breakfast, and Roman is talking to Jerry, who oh starts to ask him some oppo <laughs> questions. Spencer, uh, this is probably one of the funniest mental exercises I've had in this show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think she just made all this shit up? Oh, I didn't think about it that way. Wouldn't that be hilarious? If the report's not in yet. But she just decided to fuck with him. So she's like, is it true you personal trainer jerk, Jeff? Oh, God, that is my headcanon now. That That is totally, she just is, She just wrote down a list of questions that she was curious about just to fuck with him. That Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Please let that be true. Uh, such a funny thought. Kendall shows Logan a story about Logan. Um, some look like some sort of UK rag yeah, the, type. The sun is running thing. with this. That he apparently, Logan apparently, bullied the kid who died at the end of season one in the Chappaquiddick-esque episode. Mm-hmm. And Kendall asked if he should get Logan up. And suddenly there is concern about they're going to walk in on their dad post-night. Yeah, they don't know. Um, but as you can imagine, Kendall's freaking out about this story. He wanted this thing to go away. It's, it's roaring back. He says, okay, I got to go up there. And Roman could not cheerlead this, the decision more. He is so excited. Yeah, oh, yeah. go up there. Go. Yeah, yeah go. This is important. Got to go. You're going to see him boning. You're going to see him boning. <laughs> so Kendall knocks on the door, walks in, Rhea not there. Yeah, and with an interesting line from Logan, too. Yeah, it just shows, I mean, he's 80. He's had a terrible stroke in the past year and a half. He's still not 100%. If he ever is going to get to 100% again, because he wakes up and just bellows, where the fuck am I? Yeah. There is an element of confusion that is now part of his character. We need to understand that. So what did you take from this? That Rhea said no? No, I think she just went home. Okay. I think she said no. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I just That was just my read on it. I think she's playing a little hard to get. It, 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 if that's the case, then that, make, then that means that she's not playing Shiv in the next conversation, at least not completely playing Shiv in the next conversation. Um, but that she intends to just maybe on her own terms. Cut to a conference call with Hugo, Carolina, and Jerry back at Waystar and Logan, Kendall, Roman in London. Jerry is talking through the situation and Logan is pissed. He has this quote, which I feel like he's just being just a fussy boy. I should never have come. I walked into a trap. I've been badly advised. You hear that, Jerry? Carolina? Yeah, yes, we heard. Yeah, Carolina's like, yeah, yeah, loud and clear. Got it. (laughs) You entirely decided to do this without really even consulting us. We weren't even in the room. Logan, in just a hint of misogyny here, cuts through and says, ask Hugo what he thinks. Yeah, is there a man in the room? I want to speak to a man right now. That's kind of the the impression I got from the scene. Hugo says it's not too concerning. And they aren't really facing any actual legal liability. Jerry chimes in and says, that's true. They aren't. But the family is saying that Logan had a responsibility for duty of care. What is this, Spencer? It, this is bull, this is utterly bullshit. And then they're acknowledging that it's bullshit. They're basically saying that in some way, by insulting their son at that party, he had a duty of care kind of responsibility like with dram shop laws that you can't let somebody that you know is in danger then go off and be in danger if you in some way caused them to be in that situation in the first place. And that's obviously bullshit for this. If you were responsible for yelling at every person what happens to them next, God help the issue of legal liability. But they all know this. They all know it's bullshit. The guys who are publishing it is bullshit. That's not their intent. There's no intent of legal liability here. There's the intent of embarrassment at hurting possibly people's respect for his fiduciary responsibility with shareholders. Okay, thanks for that. Hugo says the family may go on the morning shows in the U.S. And Jerry says, 
that she's hearing that re- they really just want an apology. So they plan to set up an apology. Yeah. And they sign off. And yeah, Logan agrees. Like, okay, yeah. you know what? Everybody, right. everybody wants a fucking apology nowadays, but he's going to go do it because, you know, even with all of his pride, he respects that this is the easiest way to get out of this situation and best way to bolster himself for what's going to be a tough shareholder fight. After they get off the call, Roman asks the real question that he's concerned about. Uh, Dad, did you have a good night? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> nothing. nothing. <laughs> and in walks Naomi Pierce. Oh, God. Did she spend the night or she just happened to arrive at this morning? She did spend the night. And there was a, there yeah, a moment, right. I, don't, right. I don't know if you caught it, where Roman asked Kendall, as Kendall is looking at the, the story and freaking out and wondering if he should go up to wake up Logan. Mm-hmm. Where Rome says, did you bring someone home? Because I think I heard. Mm-hmm. And then it gets cut off. So I think that's the implication there. Well, good for them. She flew over from Venice just for this. They're a wonderful couple. Yeah. Interesting that Kendall would think bringing Naomi around Logan at this specific moment was a good idea. And this seems to be Kendall putting on his big boy pants to a certain degree and trying to, to demonstrate a measure of independence. Like, yeah, I know you're not going to like this, but, you know, we're together and I'm my own man. And so, yeah, wanted you to meet her, Dad. How are things going with that? How are you feeling about this, Dad? This seems like, to a certain degree, he's <laughs> indicating that he's being old Kendall again, showing a certain degree of individual strength separate from his father. And God, does that go disastrously wrong here in a second? Yeah, it's a. If that's his play, it's a bad play, especially in this moment. Yeah, Logan doesn't need to see Naomi Pierce. He, she could have easily stayed at a hotel. I don't know. It would have been much smarter for him, for her, for them to do this elsewhere, to her to walk out. But it seems like. I mean, Kendall doesn't freak out when she walks in the room. It seems like he very much wanted to do this right now. Yeah, sure. Kendall, uh, Dad, you remember Naomi Pierce. Uh, (laughs) She was in Venice at the Biennale, and so it was easier for her to pop over. And Roman, ah, Italian takeout. Nice. Funny line. Yeah, Naomi, thanks for having me. Logan, how's your cousin? Talking about Nan. Mm -hmm. She's actually taking the month off to visit British Columbia. Oh, I bet she is. (laughs) You know, the whole sale experience was quite draining for her. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so funny, like, the, just how much contempt Logan has for Nan Pierce. And this plays into it perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, the deal went south. Of course you're taking a month off while I work 12-hour days. Yeah. It, yeah. This is just reaffirming every negative view that Logan has about inherited wealth, about age-old wealth, is that they don't have a concept of what working really is. So Logan says they need five in private, dismissing Naomi. Naomi leaves. Roman looks at Kendall. Nice. (laughs) Logan tells them to try to sweet talk their mother. Says offering her money would be difficult because it would look like a bribe. Kendall suggests they offer to reopen the divorce settlement. Spencer, is this something that rich people do? This is always something that rich people do that provides a certain measure of cover and cover up for what is actually obviously a bribe. It's a good call by Kendall to go into this. No, good. Logan says that's fine, says to offer her $10 million, but he'll go as high as 50 but he's not going to like it. Ask Roman to screw her around a little bit. Anything amount, any amount under 50 they can split. Roman, that ought to cover the subsequent therapy. <laughs> Roman leaves. And, you know, this is, again, this is Logan giving Roman an important job, that he's now doing this solo for this kind of, op- for this kind of thing. Kind of what Kendall wanted in the first place, but, you know, he's giving him $50 million of authority to go negotiate a deal. That's, that's big. That's important. Yeah, and I think it also plays into this concept that Roman is his mother's favorite. Yeah. So it's strategic on Logan's part. Mm-hmm. And as we, as we see play out, yeah, you know, Roman may eventually be able to get there, but he's not there yet. No, not at all. Kendall asks uh, Logan about Rhea. 
suggests that it may look bad and she might be playing him. Logan says he can take care of himself. Mm-hmm. He's really insults, has a very nasty word he uses to say that uh, he's not in love, but uh, certainly Kendall might be. Uh-huh. Should, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that word because that's a bad word. Uh, that's a tough one, yeah. Yeah, but it's an interesting here of where I think Kendall is a bit of that word right now and not really thinking through the implications and, and what's going to result from what he's doing right now. Because if he's not reading how much his dad's hackles are going up at what Kendall's saying and how pissed off his dad is getting during the course of this conversation, he is a damn moron. That's interesting. I did not, I did not take this scene that way. Uh, for, I thought he was mad at Kendall because of Naomi Pierce. I thought he took this conversation with Kendall much better than I would expect Logan to. He keeps his voice low. Mm-hmm. He doesn't berate him. He doesn't cuss, really. Outside of that one word. Um, I don't know. My read on it was that he, he went into the conversation mad, but there was like 15% of him that appreciated that Kendall's trying to look out for him. Uh, I just read... I think that's a perfectly legitimate read, but I read this conversation of just... Kendall checking boxes that Logan doesn't want to hear right now, and also yeah. adding to worries that uh, Logan values Kendall in the role that Kendall's been playing this this season, of being broken, subject to his will, having no degree of spine or influence outside of what Logan allows him to have. And over the course of this conversation, he gets like three or four checkboxes to indicate, huh, Kendall's actually recovering. He's essentially gone through therapy in spite of me right now and is coming out the other side. Well, I can't let that happen. What? How can I most effectively break him as a person? Oh, I know. Yep. Uh, good setup for the next bit of the conversation. Kendall says he has plans with Naomi. I think they're going to a zoo or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That, how does he describe it? Is that, uh, oh, that we're, uh, I don't remember what, what word he uses, but he's a really cute way of, descri- of describing how, how they're going to go about and be all lovey together. Oh, they're like, like they're in a fucking Simon and Garfunkel song. She's like, yeah. <laughs> this is legitimately cute. They're a couple. They're going to go to the zoo today. And that's going to be fun. And they're going to be happy. Well. And Logan suggests they brainstorm together instead. And then he suggests that Kendall go with him to the family of the boy who was killed. Oh. He really rocks Kendall. But of course he says he will. Logan, quote, we should stick together on this. Don't you agree? <sighs> This is Logan providing a very effective reminder that I hold all the cards with respect to your life. And I need to rub your nose in it a little bit right now. Ah, yep. God, that is such casual cruelty. Because can you think of a more painful thing to force on Kendall right now than this? Yeah, it's a tough one. Ship comes in. Roman tells her that Logan is gone again. <laughs> Explains that Logan went to see the dead kid's parents. Roman is clearly enjoying this. She wants to know if Logan has read her memo. Roman explains that, oh, he read it yesterday. He didn't, he didn't talk, because he's had plenty of time to get in touch with you if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shib really is out in the cold. Very much so. And his just little sign-off line from her is, yeah, we did a little round table, me, Dad, Kendall, Rhea. Rhea, Rhea's in town? Oh, do you know nothing of the company you're supposed to be taking over? You know, Waystar, Waystar Royco? We do hate speech and roller coasters. <laughs> Good line. Cut to Tom and Greg, and they are, it's the next morning, and they are retrieving the papers. Uh, good sequence here. It's <laughs> such an effective comedy duo between these two actors. They do so yeah, well together. They do. They're, they're like, I, I wonder how they're trained, because they seem like either improv folks or stage actors. Mm-hmm. So Greg then says, uh, before I hand these over, can I make one final request? Uh, Leo, my neighbor over there. Uh, he sneezes like a cartoon character. So I was thinking maybe a corner office. Don't overplay your hand, Gregory. 
Come on. Come on. He looks at the <laughs> looks at the folder. Yeah. Secret, Greg? <laughs> Greg has written secret on the folder. Yeah, but but not top secret. Not top secret. Because that's that's a smart call there. Top secret might inspire curiosity, but secret? Uh, you know, that's just a regular term you throw around. <laughs> oh, but look, the actual envelope says receipts. <laughs> oh, and they're not, in fact, receipts. Greg, you're a criminal mastermind. Uh, what polygot genius could ever hope to, to crack your impenetrable code? <laughs> Greg, shut up. God, I mean, easy. It, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things of where it's like putting one, two, three, four, five on your luggage. It's so dumb. Maybe it is actually impenetrable because they would have assumed that anyone who thought of what was a clever plan like Greg did would have had a better idea for hiding the documents than this. Clearly, it yeah. couldn't be that obvious. We we respect Greg's abilities, but I'm not sure he's thinking that no. far ahead in this situation. I think he really just wrote receipts because he thought, hmm, that'll throw him off. There, there is no 3D chess here. There, This is just... Greg is smart. He's also really weird, and we need to respect that. Well, it's also like, Greg, th- these two things don't work together. Mm-hmm. You put secret and then re- what secret receipts? That's begging a question, oh, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> if I open an envelope and have secrets, and then the next one just says receipts, I'm opening those damn receipts because what is that going to be? Yeah, what did you buy? Uh, cut back to <laughs> London. And Shib and Rhea are having lunch. Rhea just runs circles around Shib in this conversation. It okay. is clear that Shib is just in the deep end of the pool with no waiters. Yeah, and this is, again, we're seeing so many comparisons, I think, between Rhea and Jerry over the course of this episode. I mean, even the idea that she's having a relationship with uh, Logan, maybe, maybe not, is like Jerry's relationship with Roman kind of thing. But now seeing her ability to talk with them and just so instantly get people to trust her, despite any reason that they should, is just masterful. As you said, she works Shiv without Shiv having even the slightest clue that it's happening. And it's very well played. It's just... Setting up Shiv to march happily to her own execution. Yep, completely agree. So, one of the things I think Rhea does in this conversation that's really interesting is she's a little self-effacing. Mm-hmm. She kind of addresses the elephant in the room that her and Logan might be in a romantic relationship. Shiv attempts to just punch through that and says, oh, you're asking for permission to fuck my father. Is there a consent form I need to sign? And then Rhea says something along the lines of, well, I feel the fool, you know, and, and it, it makes Shiv think she's in control of the conversation, which she clearly is not. Mm-hmm. Rhea then shifts to asking her about, hey, um, you know, what are you, what are you, what's your, what are you playing? What are your cards? And Shib says, who says I have cards? Which is kind of a dumb line because we all know that she does. And Shib goes into this thing about, hey, I just hate that I, you know, rely on my dad now. Like, this is what I didn't want my entire life. And now I'm subject to his whim and I'm just kind of flailing in the wind now. And Rhea says, well, maybe you don't have to be. Mm -hmm. She references that there's another media company that needs a CEO and the owner of which seems to like Shib. Now, the first time I watched this, I remember very vividly stopping and going, if Shib buys this, she might be the stupidest person in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, her ego knows no limits. If she, if she actually thinks that Nan Pierce would be interested in hiring a Roy to run her company. I mean, we've seen before that Rhea is very effective manipulating Roy's, particularly Logan Roy, who I've said before, has a lot more in common with Shib than I originally thought at before this episode. But over the course of this conversation, as you said, she starts out beautifully in terms of making herself lesser, humbled before Shiv, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Shiv's going to be receptive to. Receptive to. Shiv does not respond well to people that are on equal playing field, much less are above her. 
And then she flatters the crap out of her. He said, like, you know, you're really smart. You're really capable. And then having, you know, appealed to her ego in that way, she then offers her the world. The same way we've seen before that Logan offered her that got her to abandon all reason and following him for this in the first place. It's of, we're seeing that Rey is a masterful breeder of people and then player of them thereafter. And it's, she does this very well with Shiv. But your point, yeah, Shiv's a fucking moron if she in any way is buying this. Yeah, very stupid. But she does. And Ship says, let me think about it. On the way to the boy's house, Kendall and Lo- or the boy's parents' house, Kendall and Logan are talking. Logan explains he may be getting dinner with Raya that evening. Kendall again question it's, questions that, and Logan kind of snaps at him. Yeah, but the only implication I got out of this conversation, too, is that this seems like this is the only thing they've talked about on this entire drive. Like, that they did, there was no, there was not much talking in preparation in this car before this moment. Because they're both just kind of spacing out even before that moment. So, yeah, thank you. Go ahead. Yeah, further just framing that, again, this was not intended for any actual productive purpose other than to shame Kendall. They get to the boy's house and, oh, twisting the knife. Logan says Kendall should go inside with him. <laughs> just brutal. Uh, Logan greets the boy's father and they go off upstairs to talk, leaving Kendall alone on the first floor as he wanders around, seeing all of the pictures of this kid, and he just looks completely broken all over again. It, it's just nightmarish. I mean, the act. What's the name of the actor who plays Kendall? I'm going to have to pull it up real quick. Uh, Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong does so wonderfully in this moment of where he does pain better than anybody else in this show because this is a person who is recovered. He's actually been able to restore a bit of himself over the course of the season. And we're watching all of that shatter right here, right now. It's yeah, all it's... of his guilt, all of his self loathing, all of his grief is there right in front of him, unfiltered with no support network at all to help him through this. Mm-hmm. Very, very tough. Um, he sits down. The father comes in, says he's making tea, asks Kendall if he'd like some. Kendall says no, but he does take water. Father goes back upstairs. Kendall cleans his glass. I thought that was an interesting gesture. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kendall's in the business of usually doing his own dishes. No, the, the, his guilt is trying to express itself in any way he can. He doesn't want to take anything more from these people. Logan comes down. He says, okay, we can go. Kendall stops and says, do you think I should stay something? And Logan immediately says, no, <laughs> you absolutely should not. And they go get in the car. Mm-hmm. At this point, he's just, he's barely even there anymore. He's almost stumbling out of the house. He is so utterly concussed from what he just went through. Yep. In the car, great quote here from Logan. Poor bastards. They've been through the ringer, you know. Fuck knows how they cope. They're embarrassed, really. They knew he was a druggie. Yeah, that is life. Don't forget it, right? <laughs> okay, you made your point. Stop digging the dagger any deeper right now, please. Mm-hmm. Cut to Shiv and Roman on the way to their mothers. They stop at a convenience store. I th- I'm guessing this is the show doing something and not really giving you enough backstory to understand why they're doing it. So you just have to kind of fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. I think they have some sort of ritual where they always bring the mother something. I mean, it was either an element of that or it's, an el- it's being obliged to bring something to the dinner table since they're going to have a relatively early day dinner from what it looks like. But yeah, very little is explained here other than, okay, let's just put Shiv and Roman in a store and just have them riff off each other for a minute on how the average person lives. Yeah, so they do. Uh, they walk around. Roman is questioning if anything is edible in the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, Shiv just says she's going to get a banana. So they're bringing one banana. Very nice. Uh, during this sequence, Roman is just walking around eating an apple. I'd like to point that out. That he just picked up off a shelf, I think. Yeah. Back to Waystar, and poor Greg is a mess. 
Oh my gosh. He goes into a bathroom and starts freaking out. I've got the quote here. Uh, 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 well, first off, before he starts this, he makes sure that there's nobody else in the bathroom. Good call. Yeah, very, very good call. Uh, hi, hi, hi. Uh, I'm involved in a criminal conspiracy. Oh, really? Yes, yes, I am. I, I destroyed some papers that I shouldn't have. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. Is that bad? Oh, yeah, that's bad. That could be bad. You could go to jail. Yeah, would you like that? Would you like that, pretty boy? Would you like that? Greg is in full fucking freakout mode here. Mm, no, though it's a targeted freakout in some ways. There is a purpose behind this, but a freakout is definitely an aspect of it. He goes on to have a very Greg quote. Oh, you might like that, huh? You might even like that. Male rape. Rape of the male. <laughs> all right. So we have no idea what's happening throughout all of this. But yeah. then he takes the, the phone out of his pocket. And it's clear he's in testing recording. Because Greg always has a plan. And his plan here is that, okay, even if I have to just help destroy the documents again, I'm going to get him in some way. I need that insurance. Yep. That's exactly what's going on. Where are we at now? Uh, Shib and Logan get to their mother's house and uh, Shib and uh, Roman get to their mother's house and Roman again is eating something as he gets out of the car. It's a small point here, but Roman is eating shit in a lot of these scenes. That's true. I didn't really think about that, but yeah, he's, he's a regular snacker over the course of the show. I feel like it might be a crutch for Kieran Culkin, like something to do with his hands. <laughs> That's true. That is often an acting tip. Yeah. They greet their mother, Caroline. She says, thank you for coming. Ship just following orders. Caroline, like a Nazi. <laughs> it begins. She explains that Kendall is off at the pub and she's made a pigeon. I would be hyped for a pigeon, Spencer. Yeah, you know, fresh pigeon could be great. Yeah, sounds good to me. Ship asks her how she is. She bristles. Uh, she does reference some sort of friend of hers. Did you catch that? Yeah, I didn't really get it. I think she's got like a boyfriend or something. Oh, this is Caroline referencing a friend of hers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've heard before about, uh, what's the guy's name? There's a guy, I don't know if she's remarried or she's got a boyfriend, but there's always a guy that she mentions in the background in some way. Yeah, because she references him again in this conversation where she says, you know, regarding the, you know, the voting mm -hmm. with her 3% that she's even discussed it with him. Yeah. So there's definitely another guy involved, but he's of no importance to this show. So we just kind of get references to him. Yeah. And there's a good line here where they go to sit down and Caroline says, should I be mother? And Ship says, yeah, why don't you give it a go? <laughs> uh, Rory. Rory is the guy's name. We could have looked it up. Yeah. Rory. But, okay. Yeah. But I said, that's a hilarious line of where, yeah, we'll let you try to put on the hat for a little bit. We know it doesn't fit, but let's see how this goes. <laughs> so she jumps right into it. And Roman tries to de-escalate the talks a little bit. And she immediately cuts through that bullshit. She, Roman says, Logan told him to say it would cost 10, but you know, mom, just between me and you, it's really 40. And she says, oh, so it's 50. So Caroline immediately assessed out what's going on. And to boot, she says, Roman, you're not very good at this. No. Caroline then, in a brilliantly evil move. I, I mean, I knew this lady was capable of some shit, mm -hmm. but this is dirty to another level. She says, how about this? I either want Logan's summer palace, his estate that he loves, or... You kids always come here for Christmas. And 20 million. And 20 million. And 20 million. Yeah, but I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's oh, th this is much e lower than This said. is evil genius territory kind of move. She even says, let's make him choose. Yeah. It's such an evil, effective move because there's no wish you can lose. No, yep. no matter how this plays out, either she gets something that she wants and... If indeed Logan picks the Summer Palace the way she picks the 20 million and the go for Christmas, like she knows he's going to do, it fundamentally undermines him in his kid's eyes. 
Oh, and she can reference it forever, forever. which she immediately does in this episode. Yeah. Can you picture those Christmases? You would be like, oh, and let's all thank Logan for making sure that you're here. Of course <laughs> she's going to do that every year. Kind of come up constantly. We cut from that scene to Kendall taking a car back to the boy's house. I remember the first time I watched this, Spencer. I don't know if I actually yelled at the TV or if I was just screaming in my own head. What are you doing, oh, Kendall? Yeah. Get out of there. There was a potential for real problem here. I thought he was going to go in. I, really, I thought he was too. I thought he was going to confess right then and there. I did too. Turns out, no. He is just dropping off a big wad of cash. Yeah. Which is actually a pretty, that's a pretty solid move. It's nice. I mean, again, he's, he needs desperately someone to talk about this for. He was finding a way of coping with this, but now that it's been brought brought before him, he has no idea how to deal with this guilt. He can't process it. Process it. It's too overpowering. So he's doing anything he can, like the cleaning the glass, leaving the cash, any gesture he can to try to calm it down a bit. But it's not working. It's too much. That's a great segue to the next scene because we see... <laughs> this is horrible. Uh, Kendall in Caroline's house, and he is at the kitchen. So he's finally got to Mom's house. And she says, I'm oh, sorry you weren't there for dinner. It was actually fun. Um... He said he's sorry he missed it. And Caroline threw in that Logan chose the Christmas option. Yeah, he sold you out for some money. Really on-brand move from Logan, though. I mean, did we ever think he was going to pick the Summer Palace? Oh, yeah. He was never going to give her that. Kendall seems really upset, and he finally asks if he can tell her something. This is the second moment in about two minutes of the show that I thought he was going to confess. Mm -hmm. And he would have. He totally would have if she'd engaged at all. If she could have said a vaguely human, much less motherly moment right now. Good God. Yeah, I mean, she's just so stilted in this conversation. She says, well, sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, but are they quite difficult things? Because it's a bit, bit, bit tired for home truths. Kendall gets the message right away. He says, yeah, it is a bit difficult. She says, well, go on. And he says, hey, we can talk about it tomorrow. She says, okay, well, it might be better to do it over an egg. Mm-hmm. She kisses him on the head and tells him to sleep tight. Yeah. Oh. Anything you want to talk about here? Again. It's just so painful to see Kendall, who I legitimately like as a character, who I want good things for, just go through a world that is just conspiring to ruin him. That is just, he has no one he can go to at all. These are his parents, one who's directly put this upon him for his own whims to break him as a person, and then his mom, who can't even be involved at all, at all, to offer emotional support for her children. It's just... Oh, I really hope that him and Naomi start to get away from all this eventually. But I think the writers did something tricky here in these two scenes. Because in one scene we have Caroline, you know, being magnanimous. And, oh my gosh, I want you kids here for Christmas. I miss you so bad. I have, you haven't been here for Christmas in 18 years. And, Shib, I asked you seven years in a row and you said no. And I just want you kids to be here for Christmas. And the very next scene she undercuts this concept of she loves her children. She wants to be around her children. Because now you have one of them right in front of you who needs your help. And you choose to go to bed. No. She, she is Logan's ex-wife. It's all about the power. It's all about the jockeying for position. She wants all of the all the badges that come from motherhood. She wants all of the comparison to Logan about how much her children care about her and she cares about her children. She doesn't actually want to invest in it to any degree. She doesn't want to put in the legwork to make this actually be a relationship. That would involve something human in her that's not present. Yeah, I know. And I think that the show is getting dangerously close here to engendering some level of sympathy for characters, which it never has tried to do before. And that is just, I mean, yeah, these kids, Roman, Kendall, Shib, they they have the world at their fingertips. They have billions of dollars, but they have two parents who are just fucking awful. Yeah. 
And this is to a certain degree controversial about the show that they've made these the children so human. It's like some people said, oh, you know, they're billionaires. They have no concept of morality anyway. How can they how can they try to humanize them? And the show's really trying to go into... Were, yeah. you, were you doing an impression of a certain Vermont senator there? Uh, to a certain degree, yes. Thank you for catching that. <laughs> Very good. Um, but this show really tries hard for this episode and other ones to show that, well, yeah, they're entitled as all shit. They're living in a different world. But they're still really broken people, and there's a certain degree of empathy you need to offer for that. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, Shib is a, a robot, has no sense of, of seemingly how to love anyone. Kendall is a druggie who's kind of out on an island, and Roman is absolutely nuts. But slowly, they're giving us justifications for why these characters are that way. Mm-hmm. And for me as a viewer, I'm starting to accept them as who they are and just say, well, I don't know, they have a fucked up childhood. Yeah, and that informs a lot of what they are right now. That you're wondering why they're capable of being more normal human beings of bonding with other people. Well, let's go into why exactly that is, because it's more exactly. than just the money. Yeah, they're giving us just a little bit at a time. Cut to Tom and Greg on a patio, and they're about to burn the papers. <laughs> Tom tries to light it, and it doesn't light. Greg is pretty funny. The evidence does not want to be destroyed. <laughs> Throughout the conversation, he's trying to get Tom to implicate himself. He's trying to get an explanation of, well, what are we doing right now? We're destroying documents. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> he's like the worst patsy with a, with a wire ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes inside to get another lighter. and well, I, think, I think he actually got matches. And Greg jams a few of the papers into his pants. And then the actor does a hilarious move here. Because Tom comes out a little bit before he was expecting. And so in an effort to hide what he's doing, he just sort of falls down against the side of the, <laughs> the apartment. He looks so crazy. Um. Then Tom lights it, they uh, cheer a beer together, and the evidence is destroyed, except for whatever Greg was able to jam in the back of his pants. You know, and this again just shows that as clever as Greg can be, he is also dumb, because I was thinking before this moment that, well, of course he made a backup copy. Of course this isn't the only copy of the documents that he had, but no, 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 this scene in my mind made pretty clear that the only amounts of these documents that remain are like the two that he was able to pull off real quick. Such a good point. What the hell? He didn't even photocopy them. What a dope. Uh, but it, did you catch that moment with the, the actor who plays Greg falling down? Uh, no, I didn't. That is a really great catch there. I'm going to have to go back and watch Please go back and watch that. that. It's really funny. I, I, I just have a, such an appreciation for that actor. I think he is remarkably uh, awkward. Mm-hmm. Effectively awkward. You know, maybe even naturally awkward as we've seen from certain interviews. Yeah, definitely. Back to London. And it's the next morning and Shib meets Logan where he's having breakfast. Siobhan, they told me you were here. This is unexpected. She immediately mentions that he's not addressed the memo with her. Logan asks why she didn't tell him that she was coming, and she says she was worried he'd run away again. Mm-hmm. I've never run away from anything in my life. Ship's choice of words, which she even explicitly says later, always seems to annoy Logan. Like We, we know Logan. We know the pride of this man. Why would you ever say I was scared you were going to run away from me? Again, Shiv is just utterly inept in dealing with people that are in a position of greater power, that are in a position of power and authority over her. She can, she's so prideful that she's incapable of eating, of even reading another person to know what should be off limits or what would set them off. Because she feel, she almost feels like I have to be humbled her to even do that. I guess. But yeah, particularly with Logan, it's utterly inept. This is a horrible way to start this conversation. Terrible. Logan says he owes her an answer on the memo, but he doesn't give it to her. Shiv gets up to leave, stops herself, and finally blurts it out. She says, is it still going to be me? She wants to know if, you know, are you still planning for me to lead the company? And she again reiterates that she would be good at it. She wants it. She would be good at it. Logan finally dropping the hammer. 
And why are you fucking me about? As in putting your name in for the Pierce job? Uh, talking to those backstabbers? Huh? What's that all about, huh? If you're coming in here talking a whole load of crap to your father, shit barely stammers out. Who told you? Who told me? It's all over town. And Pierce is shouting it like a war trophy in the city. So I don't think that's true. <laughs> I, th- I don't know about you. I don't think Nan is shouting it. I think that Rhea told Logan and Logan is just saying this. Yeah, I think that's much more likely, yeah. I can picture Nan Pierce shouting it just out of sheer pride that she's got this on Logan, but I don't think that's happened yet. Well, but that's the question. Do you think Rhea even passed that information along? I mean, that's a fun point because I don't know if Rhea has any connect with Nan anymore. I mean, she kind of pretty effectively burned that bridge when, you know, Nan fired her for trying to play both sides so yeah that raises a fun question about whether a is nan bragging about this or b was nan even past the information given that she and raya may not have a connection good call i mean because right if yeah because if raya is is really doing this just for logan she'd have no incentive to actually pass the name along because that's only going to embarrass logan mm-hmm. uh he continues on pretty well she says i had to keep my option open dad oh i see i see because we, we have a little fallout or something we're a family we can have our bumps i don't expect that well, it's not what I was. Family, Siobhan. If you don't understand that, then fuck off. House words. Roy, house words. And yeah, Shib takes an L here. Pretty hard L. This is a hard L of an episode for Shib in many ways, but it's it may show a certain measure of respect that Rhea had for her that she felt the need to gun for her in particular. Mm-hmm. Tough scene here, Spencer. <laughs> Next morning, waking up at Caroline's house. Kendall's already awake. He's at the table. He purposely Roman got up early. In. Purposely got up early, probably to have the conversation with his mom. Even maybe yeah. he's under the hope they could try it now. Roman comes in and asks about eggy pegs. Oh. Kendall explains that she wrote a note, said she was busy, and left. Anything you want to say here? Is this relationship advice of the episode? Well, between this and cheating on Marcia, I well, what more can I really say about these people? Don't be a do not be a Carolyn or a Logan, dear God. No, it's a very fair point, but I do think that this scene gets to probably one of the best underlying mysteries of this episode, if not the season. Spencer, what are eggy pegs? What are eggy pegs? I don't know this. I don't know. Eggy, I'm Googling eggy pegs. This needs to be known now. I need to know what eggy pegs are. Eggy pegs. Oh my God, it's a recipe. Eggy pegs. Oh. It's a real recipe? Eggy pegs? I look up eggy pegs and I got lots of articles about eggy peg and soldiers. Eggs, soldiers, and boiled eggs. Egg in a hole. This apparently is a term. There is a thing. Eggy pegs. It's a thing. All right. Well, we got to the bottom of that. Back on the plane, they're getting ready to leave. And Roman mentions the final deal with his mother to Logan. 20 million in Christmas. And Logan is pleased as punch with this. Roman, I screwed mom for you. Rhea, maybe you should go poke your eyes out. (laughs) Nice Oedipus reference. Thank you. Logan tells Rhea that he's had it out with Shib, thanks her for making the move she did. Logan then asks Rhea if she could expand the search for the next CEO, maybe maybe, maybe beyond my children, maybe a list of three or four names. She said she'd be happy to do so. I'm sure she would. One man came to mind when I watched this scene. Spencer, any idea who he is? Uh, Greg? Dick Cheney. What? Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were making a joke in show. No, yes, that is a very accurate call right now. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Dick Cheney, really well-known in conservative politics when George W. Bush was elected in 2000, or when he was running in 2000, he got the nomination. And 
he brought George W. Bush brought Dick Cheney onto the team to help him lead a search for a VP. And guess who made the top of the list? Guess who he put at the top of the list? Well, himself. So that's immediately what I thought of here. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Ray is going to give over a, last, a list of names. She's going to be on the list. And I think that's very much intended by Logan right now. Yeah, could be. Kendall gets a call from Shib. She asks if Ray is there. He says she is. Shib says, be careful. I think I just got fucked. Damn straight you did. You certainly did. End of episode. Spencer, what'd you think? I thought it was a very solid episode. Very effectively emotional. Outright rending, particularly for Logan. Uh, particularly for Kendall over the course of this. And yeah, I... It's interesting to see how much and how quickly they've made Ray a player. We knew that she was self-interested, but I kind of assumed that she was going to be fading into the background a little bit after, you know, what happened with respect to the Pierce deal. But this episode? No! They've framed her as being the antagonist now for our other characters throughout maybe the rest of the season. So, real curious to see how that plays out. And really interesting to see Shiv calling Kendall to kind of, sort of, maybe make an alliance on this? Shiv, mm-hmm. Shiv willing to work with others to actually maybe benefit the common whole? I'm shocked and surprised. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I remember you asking me that question. Are you? Maybe you just reference that Raya would go away now and I was just kind of like mm, okay <laughs> I can't really you, say anything you, to you you fed that to me a little bit too where you were you're trying to say oh you know Holly Hunter she didn't really do much with this role and I was like well yeah I guess and you know she's probably a bit character anyway bullshit she's going to be big going forward for the rest of this season yeah absolutely okay do you want to get some segments let's go into segments yes segments please segments it is let's start with Roman line of the episode you said you had some nominees for this one uh yeah this is actually a really good ep- a really good episode I thought for for a Roman for some quotes I mean just the initial one about you should jam a dick into his into his one good artery is a really fun way of referring to Jack the Ulsterman uh the follow-up that all right relax Branzino Porno Man to Kendall's brief freak out is funny uh, the comment, this is a great run of, this is all in the same conversation, but when um, Roman says to Shiv, are your nips hard? They must be because you're out in the cold. Probably my favorite line of the episode, just how cutting it is, while also being very Roman creepy. Um, what else? Uh, the whole comment about uh, Rhino fucking a hummingbird. Hilarious. That's uh, the last one I've got. And then his last put down for Shiv about... Uh, knowing nothing about the company, you know, that we do hate speech and roller coasters. Really funny. I thought this was a great collection of uh, Roman quotes, including a few very cutting put-downs of Shiv. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I am going to award Roman line of the episode now. If you are ready. Ready for you. Drum roll. Thank you for coming. Just following orders. Like a Nazi. <laughs> You're going with the Carolyn quote of the episode for this one. I am. I'm increasingly just stretching it to the same segment we did on your questions, where I'm trying to find a quote that really embodies the episode. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good one. It, it, it's such a great quote because it's you're under they're under like a brief hope that maybe we can just have a polite conversation with our mom. It's just like, nope, this is your mom we're talking about. She's going to show her cards right now. Well, and it's it's interesting on a couple levels, right? Because the first one is what you just said. It's your mom being cutting, not being welcoming. But second, it does kind of explain what was happening in this episode. I mean, they the whole point of them was to go over there and execute on order, orders from their father to attempt to get their mother to take less money. And it's a weird situation to put your kids in. And it goes back to the conversation we were having before, which is, this show is showing you why these kids are fucked up. Oh, yeah. It's demonstrating that. Even more so because yes. it's something that their mom purposefully instigated, too. 
It's not like they're just following orders from their dad here. This is their mom just casually throwing out a threat because she knows it'll bring her money. And she probably figured her children would be the one to broker her weather, too. This is power players at work where their children are just useful tools in the process. Yeah, and in that same vein, I would say that my honorable mention for line of the episode, which I was really going back and forth on, is the end of that rant by Logan at the end of the episode. We're a family. We can have our bumps. Mm-hmm. Family, Siobhan, if you don't understand that, then fuck off. Mm-hmm. I think that's a telling line, too, because it's it's not. No. <laughs> you are just... That is absolutely the opposite of the dynamic going on here. Now, for him, same with Carolyn, family is a useful means to an end. It's a trying to ensure a loyalty to me that I've not earned, that I've done nothing to merit, because it's family. That's how he wields this like cudgel upon them. We saw that with his treatment of Kendall over the course of this episode. That it's all about power. It's all about self-aggrandizement. And family is a way I can do that and bring you all to heal. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's he plays that card all the time, and no one is ever really allowed to play it with him. And again, that is my desperate hope over the course of this, that in some way, I think it's going to be Kendall. I think it's going to be Kendall that finally gets something on his dad. It finally gets out of this horrendously self-destructive dynamic. And that's my hope. That's my dream, that particularly after this episode, that he can do something to escape from this and maybe screw his dad over in the process. Please, show, give me something of that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Okay, now we can go to Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. I mean, we, we talked a bit about Carolyn and her children, about what a disaster that is. I don't really want to even discuss that more because how painful that was that watching Kendall find one person in his life he thought briefly, hoped briefly, despite all evidence he could talk to, to bar his soul to, because he has no one else he can do that with, and seeing it utterly thwarted was just tragic and rending and everything you should not have to be disappointed about and with respect to your parents. But to focus on something that's near and dear to my heart because we didn't talk about it much, I hope that all of our listeners that are, you know, interested in women or interested in just partners in general, find a partner that can be like Marsha, that can inspire you, that can support you, that can oh boy. <laughs> help you accomplish greater things than you, have, that you ever oh. dreamed about. <laughs> to, you know, maybe even exceed you in some ways and then not fucking cheat on her. Is that so much to ask? Can you do so this for me, listeners? You're not happy that Marsha is is being cheated on here? I'm not happy she's been marginalized all season. I'm particularly not happy about where it's going now. And also, you know, we've talked about this before, that we really hadn't seen that side of Logan. We hadn't seen the side that he was a bit of a wayfarer in that regard with respect to women. But we had this demonstration with Rhea, but we also had a reference to something with, uh, what was it, the horses in the summer? Remember that? When, when, they, when um, Roman, yep. Roman and Kendall first see it? That, no, this has been a recurring thing. Maybe he's been on pause because of the relationship with Marsha, but no, this is an insight into his character. This is a similarity with his daughter, Shiv. That is just further losing respect for the man. I, you know, I have been suckered into respecting aspects of Logan's character, despite how vile a person that he is. But no, now I know the man. Now I've seen more. And whatever good traits he legitimately has cannot cover up the bad. So... Listeners, if you need to draw any guidance from this episode about relationship advice, do not be the mom that Carolyn is and do not be the partner that Logan is. Draw from that. Learn from that. Happy to help. Absolutely. Well, I didn't think you were going to be pleased with the Rhea 
the Reyes situation. No, but not. I do think that what increasingly what we're seeing with Logan is he's just more of the prototypical billionaire. Yeah. Than you would expect. Like he hits his kids, he cheats on his wife. Like it's just kind of what you would expect. Now, the the only the only thing you can still respect out of the man is the is the self made aspect of him. That he does legitimately respect work. He respects those who put in effort, who try. That is commendable. That is something that he has accomplished for himself and and wants other people to do in the same kind of way. But that is just one thing among a vast different little markers in his character now. And there's a lot to sell him, as we've seen. Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's cut to probably the most difficult Roy of the episode we've had. (sighs) Nobody has a good episode here. Uh, Um, Maybe Roman? Maybe Roman. I think Roman might have to be the choice. Let's talk through him, though. It can't yeah. be Shiv. Can't, good God, it can't be Shiv. Uh, only marker in respect for Shiv is that Rhea, again, thought that she was the one that she needed to personally take down. That Roman, Kendall, they're fine. I know my dad, the, the dad thinks about them. I can, I can deal with them, whatever. Shiv, I need to murder. Straight up murder right here, right now. So that's a mark right. of respect. But she did get murdered. But she did murder her. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so that kind of doesn't really help her. Yeah. Uh, we have Kendall, who... Really backtracked uh, in his he started great. psychological health. Yeah, He started great. There was hope for him in the beginning of this episode, and then it went to a darker place than he's been all season. Uh, we have oof, Logan. I don't think Logan. Uh, Logan's being manipulated right now, and he's a fool if he doesn't understand it. Um, so, yeah, I don't think... Logan accomplishes a lot in this episode, but it's such a dark series of accomplishments, and all with the undercurrent of that Rhea is playing him like nobody else has. Yeah I, yeah, I don't think Logan. Yeah, me neither. Okay, let's let's award it to Roman. Roman at least does execute on what his father asked him to do. Yeah. He goes, he gets the deal with the mother, and it's much less than fifty million. Yeah, it's not. He, he doesn't do it great. He's trying to do it for the forty thing was so obvious that anyone could read through that, particularly his own mom. But we see that Logan respects him, and maybe a way we hadn't thought before that legitimately thinks he can accomplish this. And that explains a lot. He does ultimately accomplish the mission, and he misses so much of the rest of the shit that everybody else is going through. And Jerry is very much on his side and enjoys him. Those are all good things. Yep, completely agree. That is this week's Roy of the episode is Roman. Anything else you want to talk about about this episode before we wrap up, Spencer? No, it's rending, but it's it's a useful episode in giving me a hint about where the show's going to go for the rest of the season. Again, we've seen the cruises going to be first and foremost, but now that we've got Ray as a legitimate antagonist in a way we've really not had on this show before, other than may, maybe Logan himself, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, particularly if, God help us, the Roy children actually work together on something. I don't know how the universe can survive that, but... We'll see if it plays out. Okay. A uh, little bit of a preview of the next episode. The next episode is called Dundee. 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 Dundee is a city in Scotland. It is. And the actor, Brian Cox, who plays Logan, has recently told the story on multiple different talk shows that when he he first started the show, they told him, okay, your character, Logan, he's from Canada. And he said, okay, great. And then apparently, a couple episodes into season two, the showrunner called him and said, you're actually from Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a really funny story because Brian Cox is is like a method actor. Like he really, the fact that he was from Canada impacted him psychologically in how he performed the character. And now it's like, nope, actually it's Scotland. (laughs) 
Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Uh, that is interesting, right there. But yeah, you're, you're right about him being something I did not know. Did you know that uh, Brian Cox was the original uh, actor who played uh, Hannibal Lecter? No, I did not know that. Manhunter came out years before Silence of the Lambs. He does a very different read on Hannibal Lecter, but it's really well done. He's a very effective method actor. Let me check that out. Okay, well, we will be back. This is Sunday, uh, January 26th. We will back be back next Sunday with a review of Season 2, Episode 8, Dundee. Until then, see you. <laughs>